This is the Made It in Music podcast. I'm Seth Mosley, and this is Show 142. Welcome to the podcast, where we bring you tools and resources to help you go full time in music and to stay in. The music business is a roller coaster ride, changing faster than any of us can pay attention to. We all need a competitive edge to stay ahead and to stay successful. What's working, what isn't, and what's coming? That's exactly what this show is all about. Back again with Full Circle Music, the Made It in Music podcast. We are back with another episode of the Made It in Music podcast, and we have something a little different for you today. For those of you who are familiar with the CCM hits of the past decades, then the name Rebecca St. James should be incredibly familiar to you. Just to help you connect some of the dots in the industry, Rebecca is also the sister of Joel and Luke from the group For King and Country. Rebecca launched a huge career in CCM, and we'll get into all of those details, but she's been intentionally off of the radar for a little while. This happens to a lot of artists. Careers come in phases, and sometimes it makes sense to hit a music career really hard, and sometimes it makes sense to take a step back. Rebecca had no expectations of returning to music, but she is. And in this episode, we spoke with her about the specific challenges and considerations that come with relaunching a career. Whether you are relaunching something yourself or you're building your career for the first time, this episode will be filled with plenty of practical ideas you can use as you move forward. Let's join Rebecca and Seth at Lipscomb University. Hey, this is Seth Mosley. We're on the Made It in Music podcast, live here in the Lipscomb University video studios. And I'm sitting here with Rebecca St. James. Hi, hi. The one and only <laughs> who is in the process of relaunching her career uh, musically. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've had a lot of other areas of your career outside of music, but yeah. but diving back into a music project. Yeah, so. I am. No, we're going to talk all about on. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you're a mom now since last time, I which am, is great. I am, we'll, yeah, wife and mama. We'll, di- we'll dive into that. So yeah. um, let, me, let me start from the beginning. Yeah. What was the moment that you knew initially that you wanted to pursue this music thing, a career in music? Well, I, you know, I, the, the first show I ever went to, I was six weeks old and it was in the Sydney Opera House. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I, Loved music really early on. I'd go around the house, like, just singing songs and, like, I don't know, performing for my family. And I think that there was this inkling pretty early on that I would maybe sing. Like, it was, you know, oh, you know, I really enjoy that. And uh, I think the first time I was, like, got captured by music that I really remember was I so fell in love with the sound of music, like the, the, the movie. Like and the I was mo- like, the, yes. Okay, yes. Oh, and I would the lead, hill, the, hills are, the hills are alive. <laughs> I would lead the kids at school around the playground singing the sound of music. I mean, I was definitely like a little singer leader, like, um, you know, wanted to be in that movie and, and singing my heart out on it. So I think, and that was at five or something, you know, so very young I knew I loved music and that that was a possibility. But not not like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to rock the world, you know. But yeah. but definitely that it was a possibility. So for people who maybe don't know your full backstory mm-hmm. nowadays, yep. what did that kind of lead into? Like how did that turn into, let's, let's call it round one of yep. Rebecca St. James? <laughs> well, the... The reason that I was at a show at six weeks old in the opera house was my dad was a Christian concert promoter. So he brought Amy Grant and, you know, kind of you name it, Petra, 
Outcome and Striper, like all these bands to Australia. So I grew up backstage at shows. So it was just a very normal part of my life. Um, so I think, and then my dad had a record label for a while. So my first album at 13 was on his record label and I toured with Carmen, the Christian Arts Carmen at 13. Um, we moved to the US at 14 because of my dad's job and I just sang at youth groups and churches here in Nashville and got signed at 15 through that. Um, went full-time at 16. So it was, it, you know, and I, and I, my faith is so core to why I sing. It, it, it was never like, I want to be this, you know, rock star. It was, Lord, use my life. Like, I, I, and thank, thank him. I, there, I definitely had a passion pretty young to serve him and to like, just make my life count for you, God. And it seems like you've given me, you know, a, a love for music. And if that's how you want to use me, please do it. And, and doors just kind of opened up from that. I was in a rock band at my school and, and things like that, but it happened pretty organically. So, so what was the motivation for you to pursue it specifically? Because there's a lot of ways you can get into music. You can be a yeah. songwriter, you can be a, a worship leader or producer. Like what, what was the motivation for, okay, you're, you're pursuing the artist career? As opposed to a songwriter or Yeah, just any, any other way that you kind of could have gotten into the music business. I don't know. I mean, I think because it was all I was ever around was watching singers and performers on stage. It was kind of all, like, if you're, like, in my little head, and again, I was very young, you know, if, if you love music and, you know, you're gifted in that capacity, you go be a singer or you're in a band or whatever. And so, I don't know, it, it just seemed like the very natural path kind of for me and it, and again it was more God just kind of opening up opportunities and even putting my dad in my life he ended up managing me and so I would not have done music had my dad not been a partner in that so there was just a lot of things that I feel like were ordained by him so what was how old were you when the, like the first official record came out 16 Okay, and do you feel like there were advantages to you being that young or disadvantages or how did both. that? Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely both. Um, I think the advantages are just boundless energy. Like I just had, you know, energy for days to kind of give to what I was doing and could just work tirelessly on projects and on the road. Uh, you know, I did work nine months on an album straight, you know, kind of all day long, every day um, for that time and, you know, some shows in that time as well. So I think I just had a lot of fresh energy. I think the challenges are I didn't know how to have boundaries within that. That's what I had to learn the hard way of, like, how do I take care of my soul and remain living enough life in the journey that I have that to pull from? How do I keep from becoming kind of a spiritual emotional anorexic, you know, where you're just kind of eating into yourself. You're trying to give and write, but you've got nothing left. Wow. So it, it was a, it was a very successful career by, from, from the out, you know, from yeah. worldly perspective Thank of selling you. lots of records and getting played on radio and having headlining tours and everything. So, and I think you're kind of getting at it, but what was the big reason why you stepped away from it in the first mm -hmm. place? Yeah, I mean, I think over the years I just 
got tireder and tireder and I would have what I called sabbaticals. So I'd like be off for a month or two. One of those times I went to Switzerland to a, um, uh, like a study center there and just tried to like <laughs> pour into my soul so that I could write the album that was coming up at that point. But I was, I was pretty exhausted. I think I just said yes too often. And instead of kind of pulling away and life getting quiet and just kind of doing some normal life, I just kept going at it. And so there was a lot, like there was quite a few times where I was working on an album, touring for months under time, and a book at the same time. And so it was like you get off stage and then you're working on your book or your songwriting or, you know, any downtime was filled with something else. And so I just wish I had of known at that point, and I definitely share it pretty loudly now, how much like self-care and balance in life is, is important to having something to say and something to give. When you're talking about longevity, like, yeah, you can probably go five, 10 years and just crush it and say yes to every opportunity. But if you want to do 20 years and do it well, where you're filled up and you're giving out of overflow, not out of like depletion, you just need to pace yourself better than I did. So. so it's safe to say that you stepped out because of being just burned Exhausted. out. Exhausted, yeah. Just yeah. sheer exhaustion. Yeah. yeah, and I think honestly like probably my biggest fear in that last five years, and I don't know if I've ever shared it before publicly, but like was public failure, like mm. public humiliation where I just burst into tears in the middle of a show or that kind of thing because I was so exhausted. I just, that was a legitimate fear. Like, and I was so exhausted at the end too that I was losing my voice out of stress. Like I'd kind of be having panic attacks on stage and not be able to sing and like not be able to breathe. Um, and uh, so that was kind of a sign, okay, you need to let go. You need to like, you need to come off the road for quite a while and maybe maybe lay this down, you know, forever. And I, I was so tired at that point. I was totally fine with that. So I did it. When was was there a moment or a situation when that kind of was like the straw that broke a camel's back? Like, was it a show that you were just like, I can't do this anymore, or was it? It was a lot of shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. I'm I'm a pretty loyal person, and I do like to work hard, and I like to be faithful to what I've committed to. So I had shows that I needed to finish out, even though I was kind of struggling to breathe, and it was like physically painful to be on stage. Um, yeah, just because of like the panic <laughs> internally. But I, I moved to California and I think that was part of like getting even out of Nashville for a while, moving to California. I did some acting, I was writing books, I was doing some other art and creative ministry work that felt a little bit fresh. But yeah, it, it was kind of coming for a while. Yeah. yeah. So had this hiatus time off mm-hmm. doing some other things. Um, why... This may lead us down a longer answer and feel free to, to dive into it as much as you want to, but why step back into it now? Well, okay, so when I really came off the road and I literally thought I could maybe never do any albums again or any tours or anything, um, I'd just gotten married. And so I was finally also just living this dream of getting married um, you know, my whole life I'd wanted that and I was in my early 30s at that point and I'd waited, you know, so there was also that like sense of like hope deferred makes the heart sick. I'd been longing so much for this dream of, you know, getting married and having a family that I think my 
I resented music too. Like maybe music and traveling as much as I have is a block to that big dream happening. So anyway, I'd just gotten married and I was like, I want to be just full-time like wife and then soon, you know, have babies. And <laughs> I'm the oldest of seven kids. Wow. So I've always loved, you know, kids and felt like I was a second mom to my siblings. So yeah, then we had our daughter Gemma. I've been able to be a full-time mom with her. So in the middle of all this, I was just kind of going, yeah, I'm still good to just not be involved in music. And I would watch my brothers from for King & Country that you've, you've produced, you know them well, do their shows. And I'm like, good for them. You know, good for them. Like you go do their shows and their tours. That's great. But I don't, I don't want to be doing that. There was nothing in me that wanted to be up there doing what they were doing. Wow. So God had to do a pretty radical thing to even make me in any way feel like I wanted to pick it up again, but he did. I said yes to a, a cruise actually to Alaska with my brothers. They were doing a show and the organizers, WayFM, um, wanted me to do a couple songs uh, in their set. So it was just a no-brainer, just easy. The entire extended family got to go to Alaska. I mean, it was like, yeah. take one for the team, Beck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I did that and I, I went out on stage again with my kind of feeling like, oh, this is a lot, even two songs, you know, God transformed my life, like in the most miraculous way. It was almost like scales falling from my eyes, like most transformative experience I've ever had where he just set me free from a lot of the pain, I suppose, and the burnout and made me realize I missed this connection with, with him that I have when I sing. And that was the beginning. That was a year and a half ago. Wow. Was that literally a moment? Was that like when you were on stage mm -hmm. singing a song or like what, what was the um, I, I sang a song. That? Yeah, I sang a song. I, I shared a little bit from my heart about the season I was in. Um, I was crying. The audience was crying. I mean, it was like this very kind of powerful moment of authenticity on stage and connection with God. It was just very transformative. There was a couple experiences leading up to that. Actually writing with my brothers for this last album was also an experience of going, oh, I really do like songwriting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote a couple of songs with their, their project and that was great. There was a couple moments leading up to that, but that was the defining moment of, God, I miss this. Yeah. And I think you're nudging my heart back in this direction. But I also felt like he was just saying, look, you don't have to plan anything. You don't have to control this. I've got it. Just go with me on this adventure. Wow. So did you kind of immediately come off that and, and, and make the decision or was it, you know, was, was it a process? Kind of. Like I walked backstage, Joel and his wife Mariah was sitting back there. I sat down with them and with tears in my eyes, I just said, God just did something so massive. And I think it means that I'm going to sing again. Like it was, I knew, I knew. So yeah, it, it was really transformative. Um, I toured with them at the end of that year on a Christmas tour. And then um, we started talking just this last year to Bethel Music. And it's just been this very easy, yes, like let's, let's go on this adventure um, together. They signed me actually or said they wanted to just with a conference call. Like, I mean, it was, it was just a very like natural we're doing this yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I was really excited to hear that because we've, we've done a lot of work with, you know, folks in the Bethel community and, yep. and just huge fans of the worship oh. music that they put out. And so 
that's kind of leads into my, into my next question, which is why the worship angle this time around? Yeah. Like why is that a conscious decision to go in that way or just it's just organically happened? A bit of both. Um, my first album that I ever recorded was at 13 in Australia and it was a full worship album. Mm. So it's really my roots. It's really coming back to my roots. Every album of mine, and I think it's been eight or nine, uh, yeah, you know, has had a worship element or vertical lyrics on it. And then I have had two full worship albums. But this is the first one that I have ever top to bottom committed to writing. You know, like I've covered a lot of other people's like worship songs on albums, but, and written a few myself, but this is like, no, we're writing it together. And we, we wrote together for my project yeah. too, which is which awesome. Was, which was, was one so of the great fun. honors of my career. Oh so. my goodness. Yeah. You're so sweet. It was an honor for me. <laughs> You're wonderful. So yeah, it was, um, it, it, it just felt so right. And I think I just, I get so excited about feeling like I could be a part of a song that the church worldwide could sing. Like yeah. I just, it was actually, I looked back at some goals for my life from maybe 10 years ago. And that was one of them. Like write a song that can kind of live beyond my, my music like career or, you know, life, a song that can be sung that can serve the church like that. Like, so I'm excited that he, it looks like he might use me in that way. I'm just, I'm just opening my hands and God, you just do what you're going to do. Yeah. That's amazing. And just really for our listeners out there, a lot of people don't necessarily even realize this, but in Christian music, there's kind of been a little bit of a, maybe a chasm between two types of music, yep. almost two separate genres where yep. there's like worship music that's meant to be sung in churches. And yep. then there's like pop contemporary, CCM, whatever you want to call right. it, CCM. Yep. Yep. And so nowadays it's mm-hmm. like the two are, they're, they're marrying together. Mm-hmm. So is it safe to say that even if you wanted to do this before, there might've not been the platform that there is now? Not, yeah, not in Christian radio. There wasn't the platform. And it's not like I'm trying to even be strategic about that. I've had, I've been blessed to have people that can kind of, on a management level and on a marketing level, strategize for me. I just don't even, it, the business side overwhelms me, honestly. Like I just, it's kind of too much. So I leave that to the experts and I just try to do my creative best and hear from the Lord and serve him with the, with the worship end, you know, or the, the creative side. But yeah, like, I mean, Air One, like just switched format wise to only worship. And that's, it's like unheard of. Like if you had have even said that five years ago or less, maybe you, someone would have thought it was a joke. Like, really? You know, this CHR format is going to go away and it's going to be just all worship all the time. Really? But I, I don't know, there's something actually very wonderful about it because, I mean, think as a Christian, I want to worship God with my life moment by moment. So what music is going to encourage me to live for him the most? It's probably worship, you know, like that it, it, it just sets my eyes on him. And I think there's a place for straight up CCM too. I think that's wonderful. But, you know, when I talk to a lot of people today, that's primarily what they listen to. Maybe some some mainstream music, but they listen to worship. Like Christians, friends of mine. Mm. Yeah, we listen to worship when we listen to music. Yeah. So what makes you and you you've touched a little bit on it already, but love to dive deeper into it. But what what is making you excited about this specific new project that you're working on right now? I mean, the vision I have is making songs for the church that can be sung in church that direct people 
to experiencing Jesus in worship, to legitimately, authentically worshiping him. But music also that has this fresh, modern, relevant sound to it that is just a little bit, I don't know, like like a creative, different, like a little bit edgy, like, but not in a distracting way, you know. And you and I have talked about this because we've written together for this project. But I, we're still figuring out exactly what that sounds like. But I can kind of hear it. I think as a songwriter, and we've got probably a lot of songwriters that are watching, you have to be able to hear something before it is. And in a creative work of any kind, whether you're a director, whether you know you're a producer, you kind of have to hear it here before it exists. And I think that that's what I'm hearing is just this fresh, modern, very relevant, could could hear it on mainstream radio, really, like sound that is worship. It's ambitious a little bit, but I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, I'm excited yeah. too. That's, that's amazing. So um, when you think back to your first major release in 1991, Oh, 94. 94, oh. okay. We moved to the U.S. in 91. That was a, b- a big year, too. So but the move yeah. was 91. So, yeah. Yeah. so compared yeah. to the That's first right. release that was in 94, yeah. what's different about releasing a project nowadays? Oh, gosh, everything. How, everything. How so? I mean, Christian music, when I think back to that time, there's kind of so few of us, comparatively, that were doing music publicly, like, you know, like on a national level or worldwide like there's just like the festivals you saw a lot of the same people it was just like a little bit of a different day and age now you can make music in your house and be on YouTube and kind of have the same massive audience that you can have through doing like the record label thing or the Nashville thing with CCM like I mean it's wild like and releases are different like you know when your album came out then it was a cassette or a CD, <laughs> you know, like, we, I had cassettes and CDs for my first few albums, so, and you went to the bookstore and you bought it, you know, like, now, touch of a button, yeah. you know, like, you could probably tell Siri to order you something, like, it's just, it's such a different day and age, yeah. so, I, I mean, I think it's quite fascinating to be at this time in history and to have been doing music to where I've seen such a shift, yeah, it's interesting. So how is that affecting your approach now versus maybe when you would have done it back then? Well, I mean, and there's even, again, and I'm leaving this to the experts, but the way that you're releasing songs is different. Some people are releasing them single by single and not a chunk of an album or an EP at a time, you know. Um, so I think in some ways you've got to approach it that a single, like a song could stand alone in the church or on radio and that's your main thing. For me, I probably am trying to stick though true to what I always have and that is to craft an album that has this flow and that has the highs and lows of a really wonderful musical adventure. So it just has all this color. It has this excitement and energy at the beginning and this anticipation and it has um, this big moments that are epic and it has this intimate moment like I want to craft an album that has all those highs and lows and especially so that live we could almost do the album top to bottom and it be this whole adventure musical adventure so I'm probably crafting the album in an old school way but it pieced out differently I think you know and and you mentioned kind of hinted at it I mean is there a chance that you might not release it as a 
literally, here's the album, here's 10 songs. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, all of that hasn't, we're so at the beginning of the process. Um, I mean, we have probably one for sure song for this project and, you know, some that we've got to go back to. We may have four other ones that just need to be finished out. We're about 14 songs, you know, deep into the process, but we'll probably write 40, you know, so, or 50. So there's a lot that I don't know yet. Um, and, I, and I love that I, I am surrounded by a team. My dad is still managing me and my brother's involved too and that my youngest brother who also manages for King Country, uh, my dad and he are a team. So I love to just kind of say, okay, you guys are the experts in that, you deal with that. And, and Heritage or Bethel Music, I mean, they're experts in their field of knowing how to launch songs that the church can hear and use. Well, that, so. and that was going to be my next question: is how did you end up choosing Heritage? Oh man, I feel like that was a real God thing. It was kind of you know when we when my dad and I even first started talking about all this that I felt called back to it. Um, we were looking at uh, another kind of newer like worship imprint label and it was one that could definitely plug straight into the church and that's why I was passionate about it because I knew I wanted to serve the church with new music and they ended up kind of not going down the CCM or worship route at all like they just decided oh this is a little too deep for us so but the idea sparked in my head like partnering with people that can directly feed the church with new music. That's who I want to be with. So my dad actually thought of um, chatting with Bethel and just giving them a heads up that I was looking at doing songs again. And we had this one meeting. I was in Florida. They're in California, six of us on the phone. And it was like so right. I mean, we got news back that next week that they were all about the idea and just a lot of mutual respect and like just... God having gone before us, yeah. And do you have any kind of advice? You've obviously done it a couple times before, but how do you, if you're if you're a new artist coming to Nashville, how do you go about like finding that right team, like finding your people? <laughs> Pray. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I think definitely, I, and I, yeah, I'm definitely not joking about that. Praying, if you're a believer, praying for God to ordain and lead your adventure in serving him is essential. But embracing real relationships. Like I think this town is, Nashville's kind of a small, big town. Like there's a lot of people here, but everyone kind of is, you know that. Everyone's kind of connected to everyone else. And so having an actual community where you're like talking to people and learning from people and having a teachable spirit and going, hey, you know, this is what I feel called to do. Do you, Would you like to partner with, with me in this? Like if you're having a coffee with somebody and they're an expert in that field, like, or do you know somebody that I could meet and just share them with them my vision and see if we're meant to partner together? But be, being authentic, coming to the table with what your giftings are and just being really open and teachable. Not coming in and being like, oh, I'm a rock star and, you know, this is, I, I want to just, rock the world, but having this like teachable spirit and just finding your right community. And it's hard to do. I think if you, you come here and it's like, you don't know anyone, it's, it's a very hard thing to do, but just getting involved in communities and having 
coffees with people and just chatting, sharing authentically your vision and seeing where the synergy is. That's, that's a great response. I'm sure that'll, that'll help a lot of people. So you've got a family now. You've, yes. You've got, you've got that dream. You've achieved yes. that dream. Family, husband, kids. How has that changed your perspective in how you're doing it this time around? Mightily, yeah. I think for a long time, you know, music was my world. And, you know, every interview, every songwriting session, every, you know, show everything that I did was such a big deal and almost like on the, on the level of oh, if I don't do this right or I up to my own perfectionistic standards, then what does that mean about my identity? You know, like just like once I finished music, I really had to like sit back and go, how am I valuable outside of doing? And that's quite an admission for me to even say that. Like, do I have to do or like accomplish for people to see me as valuable. Mm. And I, I hate to say that I had kind of subconsciously slipped into that mindset, but I really came to a place in that quietness of that time post-music of going, you know what? I can sit in a room with a friend and just my presence, like who God has made me to be, outside of saying or doing anything for that friend, I bring something to the table. Mm. And that was a really freeing thing. So I feel like family gives me that kind of stability now of like I can come back from doing a show and I'm doing a little bit here and there now too even before this new project comes out and I can snuggle our baby girl who's nine months or play with play Legos or magnet tiles with our five-year-old and go ah oh, this is just so sweet I have this stability and this security to to spring from and it's so life-giving magnet tiles are the best invention of all time what <laughs> they're so good if you guys don't know what magnet tiles are we're not sponsored are, by magnet tiles but we probably should be go get some they're get so the good or give them to like your niece or nephew or like just get some for yourself because they're amazing oh, they're fun. I feel like it's like therapeutic just playing with them. I like playing with them. I, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever like bring them to a writing session? I have not. Have you? <laughs> I have not, but I'm, yeah. I probably should That's a good idea, right? steal my kids' magnetile. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. And um, man, I, I, honestly, you, you kind of opened that can a little bit. Just there's a whole rabbit trail we could go down with like how do you do the touring thing and balance yeah. that with a family and like make all the travel schedules We're work still figuring stuff. out. Still, still figuring <laughs> it all out. So, um, we We've are, done the back lounge on a tour bus with all four of us. Wow. That, that, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> has, has, has that worked out well? Uh, this one is that limited sleep <laughs> and my husband limited sleep too, but it, it, it happened. Yeah. Well, um, we actually are going to do a little bonus segment specifically on that okay. balance and the family part of it. People can check that out at madeinmusic.com. They can yep. go to the episodes page, find it in the uh, show notes there. Um, but as we're kind of closing out the interview portion, I, I, I want to dive deeper into what you just said, because you touched on a really big thing that I don't know any artist who doesn't struggle with this concept of identity yeah, and like finding yeah. our, our whole thing wrapped up in like the I outcome know. or the success or the result or I something. Know. Totally. How, how are you like, what are some, what is your mental framework for being able to make sure that that doesn't kind of happen again? Yeah. I mean, I, I had this moment actually at a session just recently, well, probably a couple songwriting sessions just going, you know, because I, I, I do, on the front end of that or show, I just feel this sense of, uh, am I prepared? Do I have something to give? And I, God has so birthed just this idea of, like, 
that he can bring spring out of a winter season in our life. Like he's so birthed that in me and I feel like I have, I have a full tank of things to say. But then there's those insecure moments of going, what if I show up in that room and it's just, there's just nothing. Like there's just nothing kind of springing up and I just feel like I'm kind of mute. And I feel like I've just had to come back to all I can do is show up with my own self in a room and offer what I have and trust that that's enough for that moment. I can't force this thing. This thing. You know, I, I can give what I have authentically and that's all I can do. Because I think if you put this pressure of, oh, I've got to have 10 ideas going into this session and I've got to like be the one to lead out and like you just make yourself... a like a ball of anxiousness. But if you just kind of come in and go, I'm authentically going to show up with what I have and that's all I can do, there's kind of a relaxing into it that I think frees us up creatively. Yeah, and some days that you're going to show up with, like you said, 10,000 amazing ideas. And some days not. Yeah. But some days I feel like when I've actually shown up maybe with less or been tireder, somebody else, like... God comes through and something really beautiful happens or from me in my weakness or the other writer kind of comes with this insane thing. And because I've like stepped back a little bit, they've like shone because they're strong that day and it ends up being this killer song. So it's just, it's just kind of trusting the process and trusting the people that you're with going, we can kind of be strong in each other's weaknesses. And I have to imagine that another big part of like that you touched on earlier is just the self-care part of it. Like, do you have any kind of best practices or like do you do journaling? Do you do like a five-minute walk on the beach every day? Or what's your your, like routine for that? That's a good idea. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think when I just, whenever I have an idea that comes from my life, like I, I'm so committed to authenticity. I'm, I'm committed to authenticity in my relationships, committed to authenticity in, you know, songwriting. I'm committed to it from the stage, just kind of sharing from what I've learned. So if I have an experience that I've had in my life that I've learned something from, I'll jot it in my phone and my notes and just say, there might be something there that somebody else could benefit from hearing. And then sometimes it's a scripture that I'm like, ooh, that sounds like a song or just a concept, you know. I'm struggling with identity and like, okay, there's a song there about finding my security in God. And yeah, so I it just tries, I, I just mostly just jot it in my notes. I do have a journal. I do actually like songwriting in a journal mm. because you can actually see the process more than Google Docs or you can see it more than in your notes where you're kind of erasing stuff. You can just write it out and then scratch out, oh, that line's not fitting. But then later on you can go back and go, oh, remember I thought that line three was going to yeah. be that? How crazy. Yeah, 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 you don't get that with Google Docs. You don't. It's just the clean, finished yep. thing by the end of it. Right. So I, liked, I like using a journal for writing so I can see the process. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, um, we are going to get into our last segment of the interview, which we call the lightning round. Lightning round. What book would you most recommend to people who are looking to make it in the music industry? I, I'm going to sound like completely cliche, but the Bible. I mean, whether you're writing Christian music or worship or not, in our lives, the Bible is so inspirational that I think it can lead to so much freedom creatively. That just has to be said. <laughs> for for me, that, that, that was my immediate go-to. Good, good. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, 
Favorite source for song ideas? Outside of the Bible. <laughs> um, <laughs> just my life. You know, like just what I'm, what I'm learning, you know, often the hard way. Yeah, just my life. Yeah. Biggest misconception that you see about the music business, like from the outside looking in? That people that are doing this have it all together, that they've figured it all out. Nope, none of us do. And all of us are struggling with schedules and the juggle and vulnerability and insecurity. We're just all figuring it out a day at a time. Yeah. It's, a bunch of, it's a bunch of messy people. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, here's a good one. Favorite place to eat on the road? Any kind of Thai place. I mean, yeah, there's probably not anything super specific. I do like coffee in Seattle. I mean, it's pretty great. But uh, in New York and Australia, actually, coffee. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, the Australian yeah. coffee is kind of oh, hard gosh. to eat. Yeah, it's so good. But, um, yeah, no, I love Thai. I'm, I'm kind of an uh, Asian fanatic, so Thai or sushi is like my go-to wherever That's the go-to. I am. Yeah. Okay. And then I'll, I'll close out with this. The first song that really impacted your life. This is going to sound wild, but um, and probably a lot of people watching may not know it, but Don't Let Your Heart Be Hardened by Petra was actually one of the first songs that I feel like I learned the whole song as a kid, and I sang it for an audition at 11, a junior rock band at my school, and I got in that rock band. Wow. So that was, it was special. That takes me so far back. That was actually <laughs> my, first, my first cassette tape. You do you know that song? I know that song. Dude, yes. I love it. That's <laughs> it just awesome. took my mind yeah. so far back. To yeah, like I can I know. picture myself on my parents' stairs. I had yes. this little tape player, yes. this little microphone you can record yourself. Totally. And that and that was the the tape. So I love it. The tape. The I, Petra, love it. Pet, I think it was called Petrophonics or something. Probably. Like that. It was like the greatest hits or something. Totally. Yeah. So I'm so that. glad you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so new project coming out in yep. the near future. Yep. Um, how can people find you, interact with you, social media, website, all yeah, of that Yeah, just, just Google my name. I mean, I'm on Facebook. I'm in, on Instagram. It's the basic stuff. Um, but, yeah, and I'll be posting a little bit more. I'm, I'm pretty terrible on social media. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, but I'm going to get better. Yeah, people can find me there. That's awesome. Well, yep. thank you so much. And as we mentioned again, we're going to do a deep dive into what it's like to have a family and mm. being a touring artist. So if Sounds people want to check that out, they can go to madeitmusic.com, check out the episodes page for this episode. Rebecca, thank you so much for being on the show. This was it's an a honor. treat talking to you. For me too. Hey everyone, hope you enjoyed that episode with Rebecca. As you heard, one thing that is definitely different about her 2.0 career is that she now has a family, and that is so central to her life. So how exactly does she balance the family with road life and a music career? We know that many of you who listen to this podcast also have families, and the music industry can put a lot of strain on those relationships. So hopefully this deep dive will give you some great advice on how you can manage that very thing. The Deep Dive is a bonus conversation that you can access completely for free at madeitinmusic.com. You can sign up on the homepage, and again, that is at madeitinmusic.com. You can also access the show notes for this episode at madeitinmusic.com slash 142. And don't forget, if the music industry ever feels lonely, we would definitely encourage you to join our Facebook group. It exists for three purposes. Number one, you can post your own songs and get feedback on them from peers. And please leave feedback for other people as well. Number two, you can network with others to find co-writes, production relationships, and anything else that might be mutually beneficial. 
And number three, you can ask questions and discuss topics about the music industry with others who listen to and love this podcast. So again, that is our Facebook group, and you can request to join for free by going to fullcirclemusic.com slash group.